When we read about the church in the first century in Acts chapter 2, said every day in the temple they were breaking bread and giving themselves to the attention of God's Word through the apostles' preaching. But it also said they were breaking bread of another sort, taking their meals together from house to house. And that's kind of what we've done today. We've been together, and we've eaten together, and we've enjoyed one another together. But now we've come together for the true bread of heaven, to hear the Word of God, and to rejoice in what God has done for us together. And I want you to know how much I appreciate your interest in Jesus, the living bread and your interest in what God would have you do. Because not only is that a little picture of the first century church that we try to imitate, but it's also a glimpse of heaven, where every day we'll be with God and with one another. Every day there'll be no night, and we can enjoy these things through all eternity. And I look forward to that great reunion. I'm going to read in a moment from Job, the first chapter, and I'd like to invite you to open your Bible to Job chapter 1, as we do read from the Word of God together. And consider this great statement that Paul made, fight the good fight of faith. General Douglas MacArthur was once asked, what is necessary to win a war. He was a great general during World War II. And General MacArthur said things that we would recognize that would be important. He said you have to have unfailing confidence in your leaders. You have to have a battle plan. You have to have the confidence of those you're fighting with and superior equipment. All those things we would see as necessary to win a war. But MacArthur said the most important thing you need is knowledge of your enemy. You have to know who you are fighting. And so I want us to read this first chapter of the book of Job and see our great adversary as he is revealed in this passage. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East." And his sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it came about when the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? 
Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then, Job, then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his, his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now, and touch all that he has. He will surely curse thee to thy face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Our thinking about the devil has been influenced by what other people in the world say about him. And that usually gravitates to two extremes when we think about our adversary. One extreme is that Satan is a co-equal with God. If I may borrow from the Star Wars universe, there is a light side and a dark side, and they battle as equals. And some people think that about the devil, that he's just the evil version who has the same power as God. And so one brings down blessings and the other brings down curses, and they battle one another as equal. The opposite extreme is just as dangerous. It's to say, well, the devil is not like God. He's just a cartoon character. He's a Halloween costume. He's got a pitchfork and a tail and horns and he wears a red suit and you just got to flick him off your shoulder every now and then. Well, I want you to see that neither of those pictures are given here in Job 1 and later in Job 2 about our adversary. Elsewhere in Scripture, he is called the evil one, the ruler of this world, a murderer, and the father of lies. In this text, he's simply called Satan, which translates to adversary. Some people think about the book of Job and they see it only as an account of how you should hold on to your faith in the midst of great adversity. And Job did that. His children were killed. He lost all his servants. He lost all his livestock. All the things that would have made a man in his day the greatest. And he lost all of them. And even his wife cursed God and died. But Job held on to his faith. And it is a story about that. A lot of people see Job as testimony of trusting in God. No matter the circumstances that come on your life, you hold fast and trust God that He will cause all things in the end to work together for good. James puts those two things together when he said, You have heard of the endurance of Job. 
and seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings. But I especially tonight want you to see the book of Job as a time where the curtain is pulled back and we get to look behind the scenes and see who is at work in this battle that we wage. Who is it that we're fighting? Who is it that we must come to understand if we're going to fight the good fight and war the good warfare? We see our adversary, the devil. Do you want to know who you're fighting? Now, he may not possess all the attributes of deity, but he is a formidable foe. But as we see our adversary in this text, we also learn things about God, the one who is fighting for us, who wants us to succeed, who is helping us overcome the evil one. And so I invite you tonight to know your adversary. But in so doing, strengthen your faith and hope in God. Number one, you want to know who you're fighting? Satan is present. But he is not all present. Remember, those attributes belong to God, who is the only sovereign, Paul said in 1 Timothy 6. But we need to understand that the devil is present. One year for Christmas, my dad got me a BB gun. Drove my mother crazy. And he wanted to make certain that I understood how to handle this BB gun. And so the first thing we did was go out into the backyard. And he showed me how to load it. And he showed me how to pump the handle. And he said, now make sure when you're doing that, that you're pointing it to the ground. And I said, oh, so we won't shoot any birds or shoot myself? He said, no, so you'll shoot the devil if it goes off. Well, that's usually what we think about the devil. He's, he's in the realm of hell. He's the ruler of the underworld, and he gets to decide, whoever goes to hell, he gets to decide what their punishment is for all eternity. Read the comic section. It's in there. But that's not where he was here. Did you notice when he came before the Lord? And we're not exactly sure of the imagery here. Some people think that it was meant to just show us this picture that, that would have been familiar to the mind of the reader at that time of a great king who has been away and now he comes back to his throne and all the subjects come in and they're reporting on different things in the kingdom. But the devil came. And God asked him, where have you come from? And notice what our adversary said. From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. I hope that sends a shiver down your spine to think that our adversary is among us. You see, He's not all present. 
He is not like God in that He knows what's happening everywhere all the time. He is limited. He has to gain His information by prowling, and that's what He does. From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. Think about it. Is there anywhere on our earth today that you can go and you can say, well, the devil hadn't been here yet. He's everywhere. I mean, he's been in politics, and he's been in the entertainment industry, and he's been in the schools, and he's been in the homes, and he's been in the church. He's present. If the devil knew where to find Adam and Eve in the garden, if he showed up there, and if he was present enough to find Jesus, the Son of Man, in the wilderness and tempt Him, you think the devil is not present today? Where have you come from? From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. I just have to wonder, where all has he been today? He is present. But again, I want you to know that he is not all present. And that ought to give us confidence. Because our God is. For the eyes of the Lord are in every place, Solomon said. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3, watching the good and the evil. He said his eyes are in every place. When our daughter Morgan was just three or four years old, it didn't take her long after services to find the water fountain in the church building. And she always wanted to go get a drink. And the problem was that she would get more water down in her dress than she would drink. And so I would kind of stand in the back and and guard her and, and keep her away from going to the water fountain. And one day she saw what I was doing and she said, Daddy, go talk. She knew the preacher would get involved in the conversation over here and my attention would be diverted, my back would be turned, and she could go to the water fountain. There's not ever a time where God turns His back and is not attentive. There's not ever a time where something catches Him unaware or He is surprised by anything. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. It's never said about our adversary. That ought to encourage us when we do good. He's watching the good. Nobody else may have seen it, but God did. And He's proud of His children. But that ought to scare us to death when we do evil. He's watching the good and the evil. Resist the devil, James said. And he will flee from you, James 4 and verse 7. Imagine that. The devil will flee from your presence. Now, there's nowhere you can go where God is not present. But when you say no to Satan, he will run away. He will flee from your presence. 
When was the last time you said no? When was the last time the devil tempted you with something you've struggled with and you had decided, I'm not going to do that anymore? And here he came again. And you said, no. You see, he's present. But he's not all present. He'll run. You want to know who you're fighting? And when the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him, we read in Luke 4 and verse 13. He attempted Jesus three times. And Jesus said, no. And so Luke says, the devil departed. He fled from Jesus. But you know what the next phrase says? Until an opportune time. Resist him and he will flee. But remember, he'll be back. We're fighting an ever-present enemy. But he is not all present. Number two, you want to know who you're fighting? Satan is knowing, but he's not all-knowing. Satan is adversary who knows. Well, how does he know? He knows because he's walking about and roaming about on the earth. He's collecting information. That's how Peter describes him, as a lion who is on the prowl. And what is he doing? He's seeking someone to devour. Did you notice when the Lord asked the devil, or, or when he said, where have you been? He said, we're roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. Been looking for somebody. And God said, Have you considered my servant Job? He lists four things about Job. And they're the same four things that were said about him in the beginning of the chapter. Things that would have been commendable, not just in Job's day... But in any day, who wouldn't like to have these four adjectives after your name? Have you considered my servant Job a blameless, upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil? Think about that. What if the Lord had a conversation and said your name? Have you considered my servant and put your name there? What four things would God have? To recommend about you. Blameless, upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. And do you not find it interesting that the devil didn't go, let's see, Job, now I can't place him. What's his last name? I, I just can't remember who that is. Job, I, 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 I can't. 
He knew exactly who Job was, and he knew the circumstances of Job's life. In fact, he accused God, accused Job on those circumstances. The only reason he's serving you, being blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil, is because of all the blessings you've given him. That's why he's serving you. You've put in the coins, and he's dispensing the stuff. But you take that away... He'll curse you to your face. You see, that's what the devil had collected. And he had made his approach. I'm going to tempt him with his possessions. And that'll get him away from God. wonder what the devil has learned about me. I shudder to think what knowledge I've given the enemy about myself. See, he can't read our thoughts like God can, but he hears what we say. He can't read my mind like God can, but he can see where I go on the internet. He can see where I look and who I look. He is knowing. Have you considered my servant Job? I got him. He knew Jesus was hungry in the wilderness. You ever thought about that? Here's his first shot at tempting the Son of God, so far as we know in Revelation. First temptation. Boy, it's going to be something big, isn't it? I mean, he's going to get him to throw it all in there at the first one. Turn these stones to bread. That's it? That's all you got, devil? Well, it says that Jesus had fasted for 40 days. The devil had been watching that. And he became hungry. And so he tempted him with his knowledge. Turn these stones to bread. Don't wait for God to provide for you. Take matters into your own hands. What does the devil know from watching you? And what would he say is your breaking point that would cause you to give up on God? He is knowing, but he is not all-knowing. Keep your place here and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is an epistle I noticed that you're giving special attention to this year. Eventually, Warren will get to chapter 10. It might be New Year's Eve, but Warren will get to chapter 10. I want you to see what Paul says in verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation 
will provide the way of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. These are things that all men have been through. All of us are having to fight the devil. All of us are having to say no to him. Quit thinking that you're the only one. Quit thinking I'm the only one who has to bear this kind of burden or carry this big of a cross. Paul said it's common to man. And be very careful before you're quick to link arms with Job and say, yeah, me and Job know all about suffering. There have been people who have suffered far less, and he suffered greatly. There have been people who have suffered far less and blamed God. Job did not. Through all this, he did not blame God. Chapter 1 tells us. Why? Because God is faithful. Paul said. Think about that. God is on your side. Why would God want you to fail? Why would God want you to be defeated by the adversary? He sent His Son to die for our sins. Why would He then delight in some trap where we get right back into sin? God is faithful. He wants you to succeed. And He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are Able. My grandfather came to the Houston area during World War II. He was a shipbuilder. And every ship is built with, it's called a water line. And what that is, it tells those in the ship this is how much weight or cargo the ship can hold and stay above water. If you go beyond that, then the ship will sink. This verse tells us that for each one of us, God knows our water line. He knows how much we are able to bear. All of us are different. All of us have different things in our life, and God knows that. So you know what that tells us? No matter what you brought in with you tonight, no matter what's happening in your life, and I'm certainly not trying to trivialize that, but whatever it is, God knows you're strong enough to endure it. God knows that. He's all-knowing. He's faithful and will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape. Question, how did Jesus escape the devil? It is written. It is written. The Word of God. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith... And how does faith come?
by hearing the word of God. Our adversary is knowing, but he is not all-knowing. We need to know who we're fighting and who's fighting for us. Do you want to know your adversary? Number three, you probably already saw where we were going with this last one. If it is so that the devil is present, but not all present, and that he's knowing, but not all knowing, then certainly our adversary is powerful, but he is not all powerful. He is not omnipotent. Have you considered my servant Job? Well, yes, but if you take away his blessings, he'll curse you to your face. Then, verse 12, the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Morgan used to love the Disney princesses. Like all little girls, she would get stuck on one of them for a long time, and we'd wear the movie out watching that one princess, and then she would move on to the next one. Well, during her Snow White phase, not only did she like to watch the movie, but we had to act out the movie. And she always wanted to be the wicked stepmother. I had to be Snow White. Warren was always dopey. Anyway, uh, she would come up with the blanket over her head and she would say, Do you want a poison apple? You think the devil is going to tempt us like that? You want to ruin your marriage? You want to lose your job? You want to wreck your life? You want to lose your soul? That's not how he operates. He is a powerful enemy. He can disguise himself, Paul said, as an angel of light. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand what? The schemes of the devil. He's cunning and crafty. He's powerful. Formidable foe. All that he has is in your power. And then Job's trials begin. Army comes in and takes some of his livestock. Flash of lightning comes down, consumes some, some others. His ten children in her house, a great wind comes and knocks over the house, and they all die. You ever noticed when bad things happen, how much blame God gets 
and how little credit the devil gets. Chapter 2, again, same thing. Comes and presents himself before God. Where have you been? From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. Have you considered my servant Job? You've done all this to him and he still holds fast his integrity. This time the devil's got a new plan. Well, of course he hasn't cursed you. You didn't let me touch his skin. But inflict him with bad health. That'll be enough to send him over the edge and he'll curse you to your face. And so again, chapter 2 and verse 6. Same phrase, behold, he is in your power. Our adversary, Satan, is powerful. But do you know the same verse tells us that he is not all powerful? Look at the word each time, chapter 1 and verse 12, chapter 2 and verse 6, that comes after the word power. And it is the word only. Only was God's way of putting limitations on the devil's power. You can go this far, but you cannot go any further. You can't cross this line. The first time he said, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only don't put your, forth your hand on him. The second time, Behold, he is in your power. Only spare his life. Even the ruler of the world, as the devil is called, is still in subjection to the creator of the world. He is not all powerful. In Luke chapter 22, when Je Jesus was speaking to his disciples about, one of you will betray me, one of you is going to give me up, and Peter said, Lord, all these others may do that, but I'm ready to go to prison and to death. I want you to notice what Jesus said in verse 31 of Luke chapter 22. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus said, Peter, you better watch out, because while you're making these boasts and claims about how strong you are and what you will do, the devil's after you. But did you notice he had to ask permission first? Satan has demanded permission. In the New American Standard Bible, there's a note in the margin next to that phrase that says literally that means obtained by asking. If the devil is all-powerful, why does he have to ask for anything? But because he is not God said, 
only. He's demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Can you imagine Jesus, the Son of God, saying your name when He prayed? When He made out His prayer list, He put your name there. I have prayed for you. That you, once you return, strengthen your brothers. Yes, the devil is powerful, but he is not all powerful. In the book of Revelation, when it describes all those enemies of the Lamb, in Revelation chapter 17, I mean, we've got these beasts that are coming out of the sea and of the land, and they have all kinds of horns and diadems which show their power and authority. And the devil himself is described as a great dragon who took his tail and swept away a third of the stars. These are all fighting against God and His people. And we wonder, how are we going to beat them? How are we going to be victorious? How will we ever win this war? You know what God said in verse 11? To fight these great beasts and this dragon, He said... Send in the Lamb. And the Lamb will overcome them, for He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and those who are with Him are the called and chosen and faithful. Revelation 17 and verse 14. Who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men. But he did. Because he's all-powerful. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. question is, are you with the lamb? Are you with the adversary? If we're going to fight the good fight... We must know who it is we're fighting. But we must also cling to Him who is fighting for us. Can you imagine this conversation? The sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said, Have you considered my son, Jesus Christ? And the devil waged war with him. But he was overcome. Because the Son of God appeared for this purpose, that He might destroy the works of the devil. 
Hell is a place prepared for the devil and his angels. Don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want to be on the Lord's side and have the blessed assurance of your salvation? If not, you're kicking against the goads. You're fighting against God. And it's a battle you will lose. Would you come and confess your faith in Jesus tonight and be baptized? Would you come back to Him and be on the Lord's side and be victorious with the Lamb? We're going to sing a song that would encourage you to do that. If we can assist you in the gospel, make it known right now while we stand, while we sing. Jesus is mine, oh what a fool.